Good to be with you again for this fourth daily devotional in our series on the book of Daniel. Uh, we're not covering the whole book, but we're wanting to hit the key themes. And already we've seen that during Israel's exile in Babylon, the message that God is still on the throne is central. He, he's not just ruling Jerusalem, but he rules all nations. Nebuchadnezzar's dream in chapter 2 showed that great kingdoms will rise and fall, but ultimately God will establish his kingdom throughout the world. That message is going to be picked up again in Daniel chapter 7, the paired chapter with chapter 2. We've also seen in chapters 3 and 6 that not only does God rule, but that he also saves. He's present, he is personal, and he rescues his people. So, in the narratives of chapters 4 and 5, in the light of God's sovereignty and saving power, we see that kings and rulers must abandon their pride and submit to God. Today we'll focus on Daniel chapter 4, knowing that the same theme is duplicated in chapter 5, although not with Nebuchadnezzar, but with one of his successors, King Belshazzar. He's the king whose feast is interrupted by the mysterious writing on the wall, uh, followed by the immediate fall of the city of Babylon to Darius the Mede. But for now, we're in Daniel 4, which comes in the form of a letter from King Nebuchadnezzar. It's a letter that he writes to all of humanity, to the nations and peoples of every language who live in all the earth, which seems like a bit of an arrogant sort of letter to write, to think that all of humanity would be interested in what he had to say. But the details of this letter suggest a different motive, that the king is writing to complete his rehabilitation and restoration. This letter is an act of humility at the end of a dramatic process of humiliation. This is Nebuchadnezzar telling his own story of humiliation and God's greatness. After a brief introduction, Nebuchadnezzar describes himself at the height of his powers. In verse 4, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. Uh, how are you feeling, O great king? Well, I'm contented. There's nothing I need, nothing I lack. I'm at peace with myself and the world, and why not? I'm fabulously wealthy here at home in my palace. Did we mention that Nebuchadnezzar's palace is one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, a feat of architecture? And the reason that Nebuchadnezzar is at home in his palace is that he's not at war. His army has conquered all his enemies. Foreign peoples like the Israelites are now his slaves, subject to his great power, which seems to have no limits. But then Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, another one of those pesky dreams, which, as was the case back in chapter 2, no one can interpret except Daniel. Perhaps he's the only one with the courage to speak truth to power. He tells Nebuchadnezzar, yes, you are a great king, pictured as the great tree at the center of your own world empire. But the dream says that this tree, you, is to be cut down. And so the news is bad news for Nebuchadnezzar. But it's what Daniel says next that really matters. We're at verse 24. This is the interpretation, your majesty, and this is the decree the Most High has issued against my lord, the king. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all the kingdoms of the earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. 
renounce your sins by doing what is right, and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed, it may be that then your prosperity will continue. So Nebuchadnezzar's great pride and grandeur is about to be overthrown. But Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar that there is a purpose in all of this. He is to be humbled until he acknowledges that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and he gives them to anyone he wishes. Until. See, there's a lesson to be learnt. There is a confession which he must make, which is, of course, the reason for this letter that Nebuchadnezzar is writing. As his royal counsellor, David gives Nebuchadnezzar some advice. Stop sinning and start doing right. Specifically, Nebuchadnezzar needs to change the way he uses his power. He has oppressed all kinds of people, the Israelite exiles included, but now it's time to treat them well. And perhaps, says Daniel, perhaps God will see your repentance, your new humility and your kind treatment of the people you've been oppressing and perhaps he will not need to humble you himself. You see, a person can either embrace true humility for themselves or let God teach them that lesson the hard way. So the dream is interpreted and a year passes. Does anything change? Well, apparently not, because we're told that one day Nebuchadnezzar is strutting around on the roof of his grand palace when he says, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass for, by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Notice again the reminder of the purpose of Nebuchadnezzar's humiliation. Until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on the earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Now we don't know exactly what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. Apparently there's a psychotic condition called lycanthropy where the person believes that they have or that they can transform into a wolf or some other animal. I, I don't know how credible this is, but the point is King loses his royal authority and adopts the habit of an animal. Having portrayed himself as superhuman, Nebuchadnezzar becomes subhuman. His humiliation has been complete as he wanders around sleeping rough, living like an animal for seven years. And then at the end of that period, Nebuchadnezzar humbles himself and gives God praise and his sanity is restored. Presumably he then writes this letter, which we're reading, as a part of his restoration and learning to be humble. The letter then finishes with Nebuchadnezzar's hymn of praise to God. God's dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? So Nebuchadnezzar finally gets it. All power belongs to God and he rules over all. And he gives authority to humans who are accountable to him for how they use that authority. 
for God's people reading this account, no matter how unjust and hard their suffering, they can take comfort that God rules and that he will ultimately bring down their persecutors. And so for them and us, for God's minority, wherever they are, there is hope for the suffering church, for the oppressed believer, for the jailed pastor, for their family, there is hope and their tears and prayers are not in vain. On the other side of this coin is the person who is in power. What if we have authority and responsibility? This is where the New Testament understanding of the Christian virtue of humility helps us. What is humility? One expert on the subject has written, Humility is the noble choice to forego your status, deploy your resources, or use your influence for the good of others before yourself. Or more simply, the humble person willingly holds power in the service of others. A selfless and compassionate use of power is a beautiful thing. When Jesus Christ, although in very nature God, took on our humanity in every respect, it was the ultimate act of humility. And when he willingly went to the cross, the ultimate humiliation, he went there using all his power to win redemption for us, we who were powerless to help ourselves. How do you use your power? Might there be some on whose behalf you can use your influence, your opportunities or skill for their good? Does your use of power reflect that of Jesus Christ?